I had this amazing dream last night, and the dream was about forgiveness. Uh, it was powerful. I didn't want to disturb what Marlon was sharing because I think that was so powerful. But I tell you, the dream was, uh, it was like the Lord was giving us a new house to move into. And we were moving into this new house, and um, somebody had lived there before. And I noticed in the house that whoever lived there before really took good care of the place and really prepared it uh, for, the, for us. And as we was moving in, it was in a neighborhood, which, you know, we're not really into the neighborhood thing. But, but the neighborhood was full of the young generation. And, you know, a lot of children, you know, young families. And as we was moving in, some, someone in the dream said to me, hey, you know, that room is the forgiveness room. And, and they said, the person who lived here before, that's where he would bring people, and they would experience forgiveness. And they would go and give other, that forgiveness away to other people. Isn't that powerful? And then I discovered, like, the, I asked the Lord, well, who, who was this person? Because when they said that, like, I need to go in there. I want to go in the forgiveness room because, uh, you know, that's a key for us is forgiveness. And, but it was the Father. That was his house. And that's what he was really saying this morning. I believe that, you know, forgiveness is something that he wants us all to walk in. Uh, and we have to forgive a lot of things in life. One of the things we have to do is forgive ourselves, right? I've learned that big time is, is to be always forgiven of myself. And, of course, you're going to have to forgive other people, right? I mean, <laughs> you might not get through a day without needing to forgive. Uh, and then I think there's times where we need to forgive the Lord, right? And so I just want to encourage you this morning about forgiveness, to, to be a person of forgiveness. Uh, because, and I think that's going to be a key for the, for the generation coming up is to know exactly what Marlon was saying. There's a father who has already forgiven them. Already forgiven. Every person in this world, on this earth are already forgiven from God's perspective. They just need to receive it. That's, that's all they need to do. It's, our, it's, it's done. It's, the forgiveness has been done. It's been taken care of. It's been settled in heaven. It needs to be settled on earth. The work of the cross is finished in heaven, and we need to allow it to finish itself and finish its work in us. Are y'all, are y'all with me on that? Yeah. So I just wanted to share that because I think that was really what the Lord was pointing out this morning. Hey, I'm going to read this scripture to you. 20 minutes to 12. Mm, mercy, <laughs> Lord. John 14, 18. This is a really awesome scripture. I read it last week, but I didn't talk about it any. But I want to talk to you about I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, that word orphan there literally is the word we get orphan from in the Greek. It's literally an orphan. It's someone who has no family, someone who has no parent. And so what Jesus was telling the disciples is that that was the state they were in. That's what he's saying. That's, that was the state they were in. At that moment, they were orphans. They didn't have a father. They didn't have a mother. But he promised, I will not leave you in that state. I will not leave you in that state. And so what, what I want us to understand this morning, and this is, can be very powerful for every person in this room, is that we are born into the world as an orphan. Every one of you are born into this world as an orphan. 
until we come into the kingdom, we're orphans. You may have a mom and daddy in the natural, but your heart is an orphaned heart. And so what happened was, in the garden, there were two people who were not born. The only two people who ever came into the earth that were not orphans were Adam and Eve. They were born as as a son and daughter. They were created as a son and daughter. But, But the enemy, the devil, the serpent, the Bible says, came. And the serpent was this... A fallen angel named Lucifer. Okay, that's where the devil came from. He was actually a very powerful angel. And you can read this in uh, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. It just really describes the origins of the devil. Okay, so there's this fallen angel that came to the earth named Lucifer. And he manifested himself as a serpent in, uh, in Genesis. And he spoke to... Eve, and deceived her, and deceived Adam, and they went from from being these these people who had this relationship, this community with with the Father. They went from having that to being separated and being removed from the garden of God, or actually removed from their home. You see, the devil was removed from heaven because he. Uh, became prideful in his heart. He became dissatisfied with his, the place that God had created him for. He had a place that God had created him for. Like we all have a place God created for. He became dissatisfied with that place. And he fell into pride and, and, and wound up getting thrown out of the house, so to speak. And so he was, he was like the original orphan. That's where this orphan thing comes from. It comes from the devil. He's an orphan. That's what he is today. He's an orphan looking for a home in people's minds, in people's hearts, and in, in, in this world. That's what he's looking for. So the whole world is under this influence of this orphan spirit. And it's a very powerful spirit. It's working in the background of everybody's heart, whether they know it or not. It's working in the background of this whole world, everything you hear on the news and what's happening. It's being driven by an orphan spirit because there's a competition. There's, there's a lust for power. There's a lust for fame. All these things come from that spirit. Are y'all following this? So that's, that's sort of the kind of the origins of this thing. But God didn't create any of us. None of us were created to be orphans. That was never the Father's intent. Is he was not looking for a family of orphans. He was looking for his own family. That's what God was, was looking for. And so um, I wanted to read this one scripture in the New Testament that Paul gave. Are y'all following this? Second Corinthians 11, 3, where Paul alludes to this, this thing. He says, but I fear at least somehow as the serpent deceived Eve... By his craftiness. The serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds, so your minds. All this is very key what he's saying here. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. In other words, what the devil did, what the, and what Paul was warning the Corinthian believers is there's this, there's this thinking, there's these thoughts, there's these emotions, there's these attitudes, there's these perspectives that the devil wants to give to you and I. And interesting, he says, just as the serpent. Paul was reflecting back to that moment where we became orphans. And he was warning the Corinthian believers not to fall into this thinking. Because when you begin to think like that, when you begin to think that way, you'll live that way. Are y'all, you you hear what I'm saying to you? That's why this is so vital for us. This is why this is so vital. And this is really, I'm going to tell you. 
I wish I had a lot more time to tell you this, but I'll tell you this. One of the most, you know, we all have these days in our life. I believe most of us have a day or something that happens in our life that's profound, right? God does have, we do have those profound moments, right? Maybe your salvation would obviously be a very profound moment. But there's other times in your life where it's like a moment in time where God does something amazing in your life. You know what I'm talking about. We would like that to happen every day. But if it happened every day, it wouldn't be so profound, right? Yeah, it's like reading the Bible. You think all this stuff's happening every day in the book of Acts. It's like, well, that happened first year. That happened second year. That happened third year. It's not like every day some, you know, cataclysmic event is happening. But I will tell you, 14 years ago, and I knew nothing about an orphan spirit, God sovereignly delivered me from an orphan spirit. Sovereignly. Just, he did it. He did it. Because all my life I had lived with this sense of abandonment in me. And it was something that really drove me. Drove a lot of my thinking. Drove a lot of what I did in my life. Was that feeling, that, uh, that fear of being abandoned. Had it my entire life. And I felt the moment it came off of me. I felt it. I felt it come away from me. And I didn't even know what it was. And I asked the Lord and he gave me this scripture. I will not leave you as orphans. And I thought, wow, orphan, orphan spirit. And I discovered after that there's so many people and, and so many believers who really don't know about it. A lot more people know about it now than they did 14 years ago. I'll tell you that. You know, but 14 years ago, I remember going to other churches and stuff and sharing and saying orphan spirit and people saying, what is that? That was the same thing I felt. What is that? I'd never heard of it. But it was, it's the operating system of the world. That's what it is. It's the operating system of this world that we're in. It's, it's an orphan mindset. And it's devastating. And it devastates Christians. And Christians are devastated. And the, and the church is ate up by it. Well, anyways, God never wanted us to, to have that. Uh, I could go. That day was glorious. I, I would love to tell you the whole details. It was like a whole day of God encounter. And God just saying all that and gave me all these promises that day that was just incredible. And I remember after that, uh, I got uh, this book. i just tell you this. I got this book called The Father Heart of God. Because when you get that orphan thing pulled off in you, you, you start thinking about God in, in a different way. All of a sudden, you start thinking about a father. Not God over here in the distance. Not the angry God. Not the God who doesn't like you. Not the God who rejects you if you don't do certain things. No, there's this other God. There's this Father that loved me. Suddenly, I didn't have Jesus. You're like, oh, let me stand in the way of God over here for you, Byron. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus was going to stand in the way and protect me from this God person. That's how I felt most of my life. Oh, Jesus was a good guy. But God was not. God was mad. He was an old mad guy up there. And if you mess with him, you were, you were in trouble. And so, you know, I started seeing it. I remember getting that book and reading that book and sitting for, for days on end. And I'd read a page and think about it. And so I finally got Andy and remember Andy Squires and Marlon Matthew Bullock. I was like, we're going to go through this book together. <laughs> we're going to find out about, we're going to find out about this father. We're going to find out what it means to be a son. We're going to find this out. We're going to, and God's going to speak to us, and he's going to teach us something new. That was my whole goal. And then a couple, after a couple years, the Holy Spirit River came into our church. And all of that all of a sudden made sense to me. It went beyond just me and, and three guys you know, trying to figure out what it means to be a, a real son 
and, and trying to know God in a different way and see God in a different way and relate to God in a different way. To, to Holy Spirit was coming like, I want everybody to know about this. This is not a secret. This is not for special people. This is for everybody because God wants everybody to know it. And it was just this activation that came. It was an activation. It was about the Father. It was about being a son. You know, that's what it was all about. It was about teaching us that thing. It was about what I, that verse, I, that little quotation I gave you of George McDonald was like the God's desire to bring us into the home of his heart. To bring his family back from what his family lost in the garden. To bring them back to that place where they lived in community with him and lived in fellowship with him. Are y'all, are y'all engaging on this? This is, this is everything. This is what Christianity is all about. This is what salvation is all about. Salvation is not just us getting saved and getting our sins forgiven and going to heaven one day. That is not what the Bible teaches salvation is on any day. Of course that includes that. But you know, if that was what all that was, maybe God should go ahead and kill us on the day we get saved because we'll do some bad stuff afterwards. <laughs> right? Let me read this Acts 3.21. I love this. I do really going to have to quit, you know. But I want, I want you to know something. This is talking about Jesus. It says, Whom heaven must receive, listen, under the times of restoration of all things. Restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since when? Since the world began. Since the world began. In other words, this is what salvation is. Salvation is God is saying there was a, there was a community. There was a family in the garden. It was God, it was the Father, it was the Son, it was the Holy Spirit, and it was Adam and Eve. And God lost that family. God lost his family. Okay? His family left. His family went away from him. And his family became orphans. And because they became orphans, we became orphans because we inherited everything from them. But the Father was sitting over there and the Son was sitting over there and the Holy Spirit was sitting over there saying, we've lost our family. But there was a plan. Marlon mentioned the plan. For the foundation of the world. And so what God did in salvation at the cross was to make a way for us to get back to Him. Make a way for us to go back to what we had originally. That's really what salvation is. It's not what we've made it. And so we fragmented the gospel. We fragmented it in America and probably other places. We've just fragmented it. We've made it about this. We've made it about that. We've made it about this. It is all those things. It is, it's, it's getting forgiven. It's getting healed. It's getting delivered. It's all those things. But there's something even greater in God's eyes. It's God the Father. And if you're a father or you're a mother this morning, you can get this. Or if you're a grandparent, you can really get it. As you yearn in your heart for your family. You want to bring them into yourself. I think grandparents get it more than parents because parents are so wrapped up in the day in and day out that they want to just slap their kids, right? <laughs> like, I don't want to hear no back talk. Just do what I, I'm done. I'm just flat done with your mess. But when you get to be a grandparent, you don't think that way. You start, after you, if you haven't seen them for a couple of days, you start getting sad. Our grandkids are all, all, we had all our grandkids over to the house Thursday night for pizza. It was really awesome. They were loud. They were making a lot of noise. They were being bothersome. Okay? But we had some pizza left over. And that's what I had last night. When I was warming it up, I felt sad. 
Because I thought, oh, my grandkids are not with me. I want to be with them. I want them to be with me. I, want, I love them. I yearn for them. That's what the Father was feeling. And that's why what happened, what happened, is, is this whole thing was about bringing us back to the Father, bringing us back into His heart, bringing us back to living with Him. Are y'all following this? And so that's what this whole thing is. So it's about getting us back to that. It's about, I wrote this down. I'll just read it to you because I think it's pretty cool. I actually could come up with such a great thought. That's why I wrote it down. Like, I'll forget it, Lord. Salvation is about, is about getting us back to our original identity as sons and daughters in relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our original identity. See, the kingdom's a family. And you'll never find your true identity apart from that family. You'll never find your true identity without being in that relationship with the Lord. That's where your true identity and thus your true purpose can be discovered is in the, in, in the, in the context of a family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you. You're the fourth person in the, in the family. You're the fourth person. You're the person they yearn for. You're the person Jesus died for to get into this place where you can discover who he really made you to be, your original true identity, and really why you're here on this earth. That, that's how we really discover it. Here's what a victim is. I was telling Becky this last night. Here, this is what I think about your journey. Your journey is not meant to tell you who you are. It is not because some of us have had some bad journeys. Some of us have gone through some hell in this room. And if you allow that to inform you about who you are, you, you're being informed by the wrong thing. It's meant to help you understand that's what a victim is. A victim is as they have got their identity from the, the hardship they've walked through, from the difficulties they've walked through, from the things that have beat them down. Or, or you're a victim if you've been real successful in life and your success is the only thing informing you of who you are. You hear what I'm saying to you? You see, in God's eyes, failure or success is really not the issue because God will use both. Because here's, here's the thing. If you, let your, if you let your success give you identity, guess what else is going to give you identity? Failure. Because you're not going to live 100% in success in your life. I hate to tell you that. You're going to have times of failure in your life. I want, I want you to get that. That's what a victim is. A victim is somebody who's allowing their success or failure to inform them of who they are. Oh, the Lord's moving. It's awesome. I'm so successful. I'm so successful because what God's doing. Uh, the Lord's not moving. I'm not successful no more. I'm a failure. You see, we got that's where we got to get this thing. Are y'all y'all this is I mean, y'all need to get this. I'm telling you you need to get it because I'm the professional at this. I'm the pro at all this. I've walked through this over and over in my life. I've been successful and thought I was the best thing. In my mind. But then I was the next, next thing I know, I'm the worst thing. I was going from one, end, one high to one low. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. And it's because I was letting all this inform me. So some of you are sitting here this morning. You're messed up because you are, you've been through a season of failure. You've been tested. You've been burned down. And you, you feel like a failure. You feel like you failed. And so that is telling you who you are. And see, that's not the truth. That's not who you are. 
It's not who you are. And there's other people who've been, you've been successful so long, you're, you're what the scripture says, the rich man answers roughly, but the poor man answers entreaty or offers entreaties. In other words, a person who's had, this, they're intoxicated on success and they can't relate and they can't have empathy for people around them who are, who are going through failure. And it's like, why can't they, you know, that's one of the things that say, why can't they? When you start hearing that, it's like, ugh. Why can't they? I can tell you why can't they? Because they've had the hell beat out of them. They ain't in the shape to be doing whatever you're doing to be successful. Are y'all okay? Yeah. Well, there's this other thing uh, I wanted to tell you. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not done yet. I, re- I read this thing recently that really blessed me a whole lot because I feel like God. Wanted to do something. And this guy, I read this. He's, I want to read it to you. I'm going to put it up there on the board too. Up, I mean on the thing, you know, whatever that is. The overhead projector. This is a thing I read from this guy. This is actually a Norwegian guy. Yeah, the transparency, yeah. Listen to this. Father God has always wanted a family. But we have in America close to a half a million orphanages. Close to a half a million orphanages. We call them churches. Where orphans are coming and hoping that Papa is going to come and visit. Come on. Hoping that Papa is going to come and visit. And when we have a special Sunday or a special meeting, when Papa comes to, to visit, we say, Wow, Papa came. I got a kiss from Papa. That's awesome, really. I love that. I want that kiss all the time. Then we live the rest of the time as orphans, not having a place in the Father's embrace, not hearing His voice, not seeing His face. Isn't that powerful? And so when the Holy Spirit River came into this church, it was like Papa came. He was kissing us over and over and over and over and over. It was wonderful. You know? It really was. But somewhere in the middle of that, this thought came to me. Um, you know, there's this old thing, habit, visitation versus habitation. You ever heard that phrase in Christian circles? Visitation when the Holy Spirit visits you. Habitation when the Holy Spirit lives. I started thinking, this is not just a visitation. This is not something that God wants to do and He stops doing. This is something God wants to move in here. That, that was my, I started thinking that way. God wants to live here. And, and you know, that, the way he said that is, in his, this guy's terms, God wants river life not to be an orphanage anymore. He wants it to be his home. He doesn't want us to be an orphanage. He didn't want this to be a place where we have a wonderful Sunday and everybody feels loved, everybody feels embraced, but then they go home and don't feel loved and they don't feel embraced and they can't connect with the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? There's a big difference. Okay? Are y'all with me on this? I hope you are. Oh, man, because this is everything, you know. And so that became the dream. That, you know, y'all, y'all heard this term, the Father's living room. That became the dream. That was the dream. The dream. The dream is to have that. But here was, I shared this with you last night. My problem was I confused two things. I confused the means, which was the Holy Spirit River flowing like it was, with the purpose of what God was trying to do. 
The mean, I confused the means with the end. The end was, I don't want you to be an orphanage no more. I want you to be a home. I want you to be a family. And, and I believed it with all my heart. But I was thinking it was this, this river. That was what it was. And when it began to ebb away, the thing that was most important began to ebb away. Are y'all following me? This is important, I think. Yeah, mercy, Lord. So I'm just trying to decide here. I'm hoping I'm getting to some people's hearts. In the middle of the Lord just moving powerfully in a move of God, I got the thing, and this is not just a visitation. This is a habitation. Okay? This is what God really wants to do, and I confused it. I confused it. I made, I swapped some things around in my mind, not realizing the, the river of the Lord is, like I said, that's not the thing. That's a thing. That's a good thing. That's an awesome thing. But it wasn't really what God was wanting to do. He was wanting to get the orphan thing off of us and make this his home and where people could come and experience a father's embrace and experience it to a level that they walked away with that embrace in their heart and could live that embrace for the rest of their life and share that embrace with other people for the rest of their life. That was what God didn't ever want to stop. That was the revival without end that we talked about it in those days. That. It wasn't the other stuff. That was the revival without end. I don't, are y'all connecting with me? Yeah, you're sitting there looking at me. Somebody will be like, what is he talking about? Taking it in. Taking it in. <laughs> Isn't it funny how the Lord is? Yep. I need to finish. Okay, Lord, help me. Because I don't have my punchline yet. I've got to get to my punchline. But that's a big deal what I just said to you, to me personally. Because understanding that, when the Lord began to reveal that to me, it changed everything. It changed my whole outlook on life. Okay? Suddenly I saw something. Listen, I'm always going to be a Holy Ghost guy. I love revival. I love it to the day I die. When God moves, I'm, I'm 100% in, period. Period. I, don't, there's no, I mean, I've already signed that blank contract with the Lord. Whatever you want to do, we're doing I'm good with that. I, and I love it when it happens. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. You can't live your life like that. You need to live your life out of communion with the Lord. You need to live your life out of this circle, out of this family. Okay? Because things are going to happen. Y'all, did y'all get that? Yeah. See, that's really important. When you start living your life up there, seated with Christ in the heavenly places with the Father with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and with you, when you start really living that and seeing that you belong there and seeing that that's your family, that's your family, it changes everything. It changes everything. Instead of hoping and and trying to latch on to these lesser things, Arthur Burke taught us this, the greater includes the lesser, but the lesser does not include the greater. Living out of your true self and where God has placed you is the greater. Revival's the lesser. Prayer is the lesser. Any move of God that's happening on the earth is the lesser of those things. I'm just challenging you. I'm going to tell you something. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I got you over time now. You're just, you're just in bad shape. Here's how I really feel, okay? This is an indictment against myself. I've been a charismatic Christian from the day I was born again. And it's what God did. But I think charismatic Christians are some of the most legalistic people in the world. That's how I really feel about it. I'm saying that about me. We're begging God to move. We're trying to get God to move in the worship. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. Well, if we do it this way, 
if we'll set the seats up this way, if we'll have this kind of music, if we have this kind of worship leader, is that not sickening to you? If we pray this way long enough, does that not make you sick on the inside? Don't you ever get sick of all of that? If I do this, if I do that. Don't ever get, just get tired of it. I'm, I'm just like, Lord, I am so wore out on this. And I don't deny my charismatic heritage. I love what God has done in my life. I love all of that. It's been beautiful to me. But some of it's just not God. Some of that stuff is just not the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've got to kick that stuff to the curb. Because that is not what the world wants. That's not what we want. We want something that's real. We want the real move of God. We want the real worship. We want the real prayer that God's praying. And I realized something in my Christian life. I felt worn down by all of that. And I thought, I don't want to go to a prayer meeting. I don't want to go. Do I need to go to another Christian meeting? That's what I would say. If I go to one more Christian meeting in my life, I'm going to die. I literally felt that way because it was something I've got to do to try to get God to come into that room. And I'm thinking, if God doesn't want to come in there, I don't want to go in there. That's how I really got the feeling. So what your failures will do for you, if you let them, they'll get you to the real. They'll get you down to what's really real. And that's what God did in my life in the past few years. Get me into this, in this failure place where you can begin to see what's really real and what's really important. Are y'all following this? And I'm telling you, this is what God wants to do in the earth. He wants some, some really, really, really good stuff to do. God wants to move. He wants all of that. But if i got to make him move, I'm just done. I'm tired of make, trying to get God to move. Aren't you? Aren't you try, tired of getting God, trying to get God to do something for you? God doesn't want us to do that. He really doesn't. I want to pray his prayers. I want to worship in spirit and truth. That's, that's really what I want to do with my life. I want to spend my life connected like that. Are y'all okay? Y'all are really hearing some of the raw stuff. I, I was trying to tell Becky, like, you know, I need to calm this stuff down. Because uh, I don't want people to get the wrong uh, concept of me, but it's too late, right? <laughs> Who cares if they get the wrong concept of me? They've already got the wrong concept. I'm already done in. Here's how I'm done in. Some people, you're not spiritual enough. Other people, you're just way too out there. Like, okay, I'm good. Y'all think that. I don't care what you think. I'm just going to be what I am. That's all I can be. You know? We need to get the Popeye anointing. That's what somebody told me years ago. You need to get the Popeye anointing. I said, what's that? I am what I am. I'm Popeye the sailor man. Oh, I am what I am. Actually, Paul said that originally, right? By the grace of God, I am what I am. Papa didn't even, Papa stole that from Paul. <laughs> Can I just finish and do two more scriptures? Are you okay? I promise you I won't go off on Luke 3, 21 through 22. It says, now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was open. Prayer is important. I'm not denying that. It's just, Okay. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son, and in you I'm well pleased. Isn't that beautiful? That's something every one of us in this room need to hear on a personal level. You, you, Tim Oric, 
for my beloved son. Tim, I love you. I'm pleased with you. I don't give a rip what you've done. I don't give a rip what you haven't done. I don't give a rip what you're going to do in the future. Right now, all I need you to know is I love you and approve of you. That's what Jesus heard that day. He, Tim, God may not be approved of everything you do or have done, but he approves you. And you need to walk in that. You need to live out of that. And if you'll do that, you'll quit being resentful. You'll quit being jealous. You'll quit comparing yourself. You'll quit trying to get things that don't belong to you. You'll stop all that foolishness. You'll stop being just an old critical Christian. You'll stop gossiping about people, Tim. (laughs) Are we prophesying to Tim? (laughs) Tim's a good one. Anyways, but listen, for the first time in history that we know of, anywhere in the Bible, this is the first time the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are together on the earth doing something. First time. That should tell you something. That should say, oh, this is important. We always know they're in the background, but here they're all coming to the forefront, all three together. It's because they were trying to tell us something. They were trying to say, this is what's important to us. For you to know, not that you're a Christian, but you're a son, you're a daughter, and that you're approved. That's how important it was. All three of them show up on the scene at once. We got many places where the Spirit shows up, many places where, where Jesus shows up. We got a few places where the Father, you know, is, is mentioned or does something, but we have this one place where they all three come together to let Jesus, therefore us, more importantly, to know this is really key for your life. For you to know this and for you to get this. Isn't that beautiful? It's really amazing if you really get it. And that's what the Father's heart is in a nutshell. If you had to sum it down, it's you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If you, when we say the Father's heart, that's what we're saying. That's what God, how God feels. That's what, how God wants us to know. God wants us to know that deeply. I hope you're getting this. Hang, hang, just give me another second here, okay? Okay. So, it's a beautiful revelation, right? It's the best. It's the glorious. But guess what happens? This beautiful thing that happened, guess what happened? The next thing that happened, the very next thing, we've got to get this. This all goes together. Listen, then Jesus, Luke 4, verse 1, after, after this major event in Jesus' life, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and what was led by who? The Spirit. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the one who came and rested on him. One of the glorious manifestations of God takes Jesus, the Word of God who became flesh, and says, let's go. We're going to the wilderness. We're not going to the mountain. We're going to the bad place. And there's a bad guy out there. And that bad guy was in the garden. And that bad guy wants to know if you really believe what was told you. He wants to know it. Because heaven knows it. Hell knows it. But do you know it? And that's the truth. Heaven knows you're a son. The hell knows you're a son. But if they could somehow convince you you're not. Like they did with our forefathers. I'm just yelling, right? The punchline. 
That's what it was all about. To see if Jesus knew it. But Jesus knew it. That's really not the real point. He knew it. Because what did the devil say? If you're, if you're the son of God. If you're the son of God, you can do this. If you're the son of God, you can jump off the, the top of the high place and not get hurt. If you're the son of God, hey, listen, connect with me if you're the son of God. And I'll go ahead and give you all this stuff and you can be my orphan son. See, everything you face in life. That's it. Did you hear that? I got to sit down. Everything, every trial, every temptation, every difficult period is all about that one thing ultimately. It's all about to try to get you to move off on that one truth. So here's what you can expect in your life. If God really reveals that to you, you can expect there's something coming at you. Okay? To try to convince you. That you are not that son or daughter. Can I just use son? That, that's what it's all about. That was what it was about in the beginning. That's what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 11 about the serpent deceiving you. That's, see, that's what Jesus was going through. The serpent was trying to trick him cunningly to not believe his true identity that was given to him by the Father. Are y'all seeing this? So... We go through this great revival, this great move of God. We have this revelation. And then we go through this terrible moment, this terrible time. And it was all part of God's plan. It was all part of His plan that we had to face this thing. That we had to determine in our hearts that we're sons or we're not sons. Because hell is coming down now. People are dying. The things are falling apart. And so you have to know at that moment, am I a son or am I still that orphan? Because I feel like I'm an orphan. I feel like God's left me. I don't know where he's at. He's not answering me. He's not acting right. I feel abandoned. Right? Isn't that what we feel when we're going through tragic moments or getting beat, our brains beat out? I do. And it's all that. It's all that. It's all about that. Heaven knows your son. Hell knows your son. Do you know your son? That's, that's what God wants for us to know that personally. He wants us to know that personally. That we belong. That we're accepted no matter good or bad. And that's why you can start making sense of your life. See, that's how I can make sense of what's happened in my life. I can begin to look at, oh, oh, I can see. I can see this. I can see what the Father was doing. He was not trying to hurt me. He was not trying to push me away. He hadn't abandoned me. I had to know this. This is the way it was because Jesus walked through this. He's my, I'm following Jesus. Jesus will walk me right out into that wilderness. He doesn't cause it, but he, he wants us to know something. He wants you to know. That's how important it is to God. I want you to hear this. It's so important. He will let hell fall around you. So you can know that one thing. Because if you know that one thing, you can have everything you want in life. 
You can be everything you were ever created to be. You can fulfill your destiny. You can walk out of your hardest place. That's why God allows stuff to bring forth. It says to bring forth the gold, bring forth the trueness. You're the gold. You're everything. Uh, Anyways, I'm going to finish. Mercy, Lord. So, here's what I learned. 14 years ago, got free from that spirit. But for 14 years, I've been figuring out thoughts, attitudes, understandings in me that are contrary to who I am. Because just because I got free from it doesn't mean my heart and all the experiences I went through was freed from all those things. And so that's why we are being transformed. That's why it is a process to becoming a son. And I could show you that right out of Jesus' life. I don't have time this morning for that. But right out of his life, there was different words in the Bible used for son at different places in his walk. Anyways, I want to... Are you okay? Y'all ain't at it, okay? All right, let me read this one. I love this. This is, this is the best. Jesus goes through all this. You know, of course Jesus doesn't lose any fights. He won that fight, like Marlon said, from eternity past. He been, I've already won this. I got this. I ain't worried. Yeah, yeah. We're not like that, but he did. So we enter into his victory. And so he comes out of the desert after going all this, and this is what it says, verse 14. Then Jesus returned what? In what? Tell me, say, in power. Now, just go back to what it says he went in. What did he go in with? Somebody tell me. In fullness of the Spirit. In fullness. He walked in the desert in fullness, but he came out different. He came out empowered. And see, that's God's goal for Christianity. He wants to empower his people. But we have to walk through the steps that Jesus wants. We've got to walk his path. We've got to walk it. That's the way into the power of God. I'm convinced of it. Because that's how Jesus, he didn't, and that's when his great ministry began, was after that. So you see, there's these things in front of us that your best is in front of you, but you don't realize you've got to walk through this. You've got to walk, you've got to face this, and you've got to determine, are you a son? Or are you an orphan? And you've got to be able to walk through that, and it's not easy to walk through. Because if it was easy, you know, it wouldn't really be a test. It's, for everybody, it's different. Amen? And then I think the Lord wants to release His power to people to demonstrate His true nature. I think that's why it was places where it said, depart me, I never knew you, people who's actually doing miracles, because they were not sons. He wasn't rejecting them. He was saying to them, I need you to come in the right way. I need you to come in the way that I came in. I'm the way. This is the way. Don't try to come in another way, just riding on anointing or riding on something. Don't try to do that. Come in as a son. Come in as a daughter. Then, God ain't going to be saying all that. He's going to be like, heck yeah, go for it. Amen? I want y'all to stand up. Lord help. Well, if I offended you this morning for yelling, I couldn't have said, I couldn't have said,
I was thinking I used to throw Bibles. Well, I got rebuked for doing that, and I wouldn't dare throw my Bible now because it's my iPad. (laughs) But, Lord, we want to know. That's what we want to know. And I think there's people in this room, I, I I want you to know whether you believe it or not, you're a son. I don't care how much you failed. You may have just flat failed to the max, but you need to know you're still a son. And when you can begin to say, Lord, I'm a son. I have made a mess. Well, it's okay. You're not a failure. You're not a disappointment. You hear that? You're not a failure. You're not a disappointment. You're not. That's a lie from the devil. And when you believe that, when you believe that, you've allowed the serpent You've allowed his thoughts to come into you. You need to look at yourself. Well, I may have failed, but I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a son. So, Lord, I just pray that spirit of sonship, that anointing, whatever, that Abba, Daddy, Lord, all of it, the whole thing, the the whole thing, the spirit of adoption. I just pray that, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'd release that in this room and it would be real. Lord, we don't want to be an orphanage in this church. We don't want our houses to be orphanage. We don't, we don't want to be uh, walking around orphanages where we invite everybody else into our little orphanage, our greatest little revelation that's really nothing more than this orphan revelation because it's not attached to something greater. Lord, we want to be, we want to be at home. We want to be at home. We want to be seated with Christ and with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And we're looking at the life in the world from there. Lord. And all those people that need to know. They need to know. That they belong there. And they've been stranded on the earth. They've been stranded out there. And they don't know about it. They don't know. Lord, you showed me sovereignly. I pray you begin to show people sovereignly. That they're sons and daughters. I pray you begin to reveal it. I pray you begin to reveal. I pray that revelation begin to flow in this church. And Lord, we could truly become that. What we, what you put in us back in 2006. We could truly become that. We could become a home of your heart. Whatever that looks like, Lord, we're good with it. It don't have to look like what we think. Let us let you do that, Lord. Amen. Amen. Wow. Actually, while Byron was preaching, uh, I literally could see these balls of fire that were just coming, coming out of his mouth. And I saw those balls of fire just highlighting and settling in your hearts. And the Holy Spirit reminded me what happened to the disciples when they waited on Jesus. I mean, they waited on the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And those tongues of fire that came on them. And they were different people from that day. And that fire is the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to start burning. Burning into a bonfire. That the world may know through us who the Son is. That's the Father's heart. Not only for us to be sons, but the world may know that absolutely. The Son and what He's done through us. Who? 
Halita Sokin just a little bit. Because as Barrow was saying, it's not your failure that will not, your failure does not define you. Neither does your past define you, neither does your future define you. What defines you is exactly how the Father sees you. And part of the Father, the sacrifice of Jesus was more than enough. Because Jesus looked at the Father and said, it is finished. Period. So all sin, all infirmity, absolutely put on Christ himself. That when we say yes to Jesus, we are absolutely free, standing, blameless before the Father. That's scripture. It might be hard for us to receive that, but that's the truth of scripture. That we stand blameless before the Father. The blood opened the Father's heart to us. And the Father's heart will never be closed. Because the blood of Jesus cries a better testimony than the blood of Abel. So, Father, we thank you. Can we just have the ministry team come up here? Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for that powerful word. We thank you that you have reached out to us that we may understand the fullness of what your son did, that we may become sons. And as we go forth out today, Father, let that fire stop burning. Let that fire stop be. Let the winds of heaven blow on that fire. Father, send your holy angels, the ministering winds, to go forth with us, that they will stoke that fire, that we hear constantly throughout the week, throughout the year, throughout the rest of our lives, that we are sons and daughters, that we belong, that we belong, and that we are sons and daughters, that we are loved, and we'll be the beloved of the Father. 